Welcome back to our weekly podcast. We're in week two of our series, Give Thanks. I want to invite you to turn with me to the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 5. I'm going to read from verses 15 through 20. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. An important question that I want to ask you today is this. Are you a thankful person, no matter what? These words that we just read were written by a man who had every right to be bitter, discontent, and ungrateful, at least from a human perspective. Writing from a Roman prison cell, he knew that every day could be his last. The next footsteps walking towards his cell could be of those of the guards coming to take him away to his execution. Not an hour passed when he was free from the constant irritation of the chains around his wrists and legs. Separated from his friends, unjustly accused and mistreated, if ever there was a person who had the right to complain, it was the author of this letter. But instead of complaining, we see something different. He chose to give thanks, to have an attitude of gratitude, regardless of his circumstances. This man was the Apostle Paul, a man who had learned how to give thanks in all circumstances. Even when he was chained up in a Roman prison cell, he was able to encourage others to worship God and to give thanks to God for every good thing. Always give thanks, no matter the circumstance. This was his encouragement to the Christians in Ephesus, and it was his encouragement to the Christians in Thessalonica. We pick out a date on the calendar, the fourth Thursday of November each year, when we're intentional about giving thanks. But thanksgiving to the Apostle Paul was different. For him, it was not a once a year celebration. It was a daily reality that changed his life and made him a joyful person in every situation. And through his example, we're reminded that thanksgiving, the giving of thanks to God, first and foremost for who he is, and then for what he's done on our behalf, is meant to be a distinctive mark of every follower of Jesus. We're reminded that instead of allowing the attitudes of complaining, discontentment, and ungratefulness to harden our hearts, harming our relationship with God and others, we're meant to be known as a thankful people. Billy Graham once said, nothing turns us into bitter, selfish, dissatisfied people more quickly than an ungrateful heart. And nothing will do more to restore contentment and the joy of our salvation than an attitude of thankfulness. I don't know about you, But I've experienced this to be true in my own life. Maybe that's why the Bible talks about thankfulness so often. One example is found in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. These are the words that Dr. Luke penned. He was writing an accurate account about the life and ministry of Jesus. He wrote, As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, Ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. 
One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. In the first century, leprosy was a terrible disease. It hopelessly disfigured those who had it, and it permanently cut them off from the rest of society. This isolated, lonely life left every leper longing for one thing, to be healed. In Luke 17, we find an incredible story of thanksgiving that involved ten lepers. We're told that at least one of these men was a Samaritan. And this is significant because Samaritans and Jews didn't like each other. In fact, they were enemies. There's a number of reasons for why this is. One of the main reasons was ethnic discrimination or hatred. The Jews saw themselves as pure descendants of Abraham, while the Samaritans were a mixed group of people who came about when Jews from the northern kingdom intermarried with the Assyrians. The Jews actually referred to them as half-breeds. These two groups absolutely despised one another. Even though all ten of these men would have never associated themselves with Jews, we know that misery loves company. They were outcasts. They had no one else. Keeping their distance, they cried out to Jesus. They called him master, which in the Greek is the word epistada. This word means chief commander or overseer. It's a military term. They knew that Jesus was totally in command, totally in control of even disease and death. They trusted that he could help them. As Jesus looked at them, he told them to go and show themselves to the priest. While they were on their way, they were healed instantly. They were restored to perfect health. This passage tells us that only one of the men decided to return to Jesus so that he could thank him for what he had done. All the rest left without showing any kind of gratitude, their minds preoccupied only with themselves, overtaken with an attitude of ingratitude. You would have expected all ten to run back to Jesus as fast as they could, thanking him and worshiping God for the miracle that had just taken place in their lives. They should have been thankful for the providence of God that brought Jesus into their area and into their lives, for the love of God that led Jesus to meet their needs, and for the grace and power of God that made this miracle possible. Reading this story, you expect them to run as fast as they can back to their village, telling everyone about Jesus and what he had done. But that's not what happened. Now, before we judge these men too harshly, we need to examine our own lives. The Bible is for learning, but it's also for living. So again, I ask the question, are you a thankful person no matter what? Are you quick to thank God for who he is and for all that he's done in your life? Or are you quick to enjoy the gift, but forget to thank the giver? Like these men, complaining, discontentment, and ingratitude are sadly the norm today, even in the church, that children have a lack of honor and respect towards their parents or those who are in positions of authority. Common courtesy is often ignored. If a man holds the door open for a woman, many see it as sexist for some reason. We often take for granted the ways in which we help each other. And above all, we forget to thank God for his goodness and for his blessings in our lives. 
One of the Bible's indictments against humanity is found in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, which says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. An ungrateful heart is a heart that's cold towards God and indifferent to his mercy and love. It's a heart that's forgotten how dependent we really are on God for everything. From one end of the Bible to the other, from Genesis to Revelation, God's people are commanded to be thankful. You could argue that true thankfulness is the natural overflow of a heart that has been and is being transformed by God. The closer we draw to God, the more we grow in our faith, the more thankful we should become. For the last half of the message, I'd like to briefly share four things that all Christians can be thankful for. As we celebrate Thanksgiving with family and friends, my prayer is that Thanksgiving would continue throughout the year, regardless of the season or circumstance, that it would not just be the fourth Thursday on the calendar each year, but it would be ongoing every day. Number one, if you're taking notes, thank God for always meeting your needs. Thank God for always meeting your needs. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. One of our biggest worries in life tends to be about our ability to provide for our own needs and the needs of our family. But for the Christian, this shouldn't be a source of worry. Philippians 4.19 reminds us that God will meet all of our needs. This is an amazing promise that we can build our lives on. Philippians 4.19 does not say that God will meet all of our greeds, and I think that's where people get confused. There's a big difference between needs and greeds. God doesn't promise a six-figure salary or a retirement home on a beach in Florida. He's not a genie in a bottle, but he does promise to meet all of our needs. Psalm chapter 84 verse 11 says, For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. Now, if you're taking notes today, I want to encourage you to write down that phrase, no good things. It says, The Lord will withhold no good things from those who do what is right. I'd like to illustrate this incredible truth with a personal story. You know, growing up, My dad was always really generous with me and my siblings, and we never went without, and he often gave us more than we really needed. Now that I have kids of my own, my wife and I are raising four sons, I just want to give them good things. My wife is the saver in the family. I'm the spender, so I'm pretty sure this gets on her nerves a little bit. But we'll be at a store, and I'll just get the urge to do something nice for my kids, to buy them something that I think they might need or something they want. Now keep in mind, This is usually irresponsible and over our budget, so I would encourage all husbands to talk with the missus first. I don't like withholding good things from my kids. I intentionally withhold bad things from them, but I don't like withholding good things. Over the years, I've thought, if I want good things for my own kids, as a sinful dad, how much more does our Heavenly Father, who's perfect in every way, want to give good gifts to us? God cares about even the smallest of details in your life. He reminds us that he'll always meet our needs and will withhold no good thing from those who do what's right. While this is not the most important point in your notes today, what a reason to give thanks. Remember all the ways in which God meets your needs and then thank him for his provision. 
Thank God for always meeting your needs. Number two, if you're taking notes, thank God for the people in your life. It's so easy to take people for granted or to complain when the people in your life don't live up to your standards. But giving thanks to God for the people he's placed in your life, your spouse, your children, your relatives, and your friends, is so important. Over the past four years, I've received a handful of notes from families in our congregation, letting us know how grateful they are that our family moved here. I'm not a perfect person. I'm not a perfect pastor. I fall short all the time. But receiving notes like this is always encouraging. And what really makes the difference is when they recognize that God is the one who gets all the glory for any good thing that happens as a result of the ministry here at OCC. Friendships, marriages, and other relationships can grow cold when there's a lack of thanksgiving, but they tend to thrive when thankfulness is the norm. So are you in the habit of letting others know that you appreciate them? And do you thank God for putting these people in your life? The Apostle Paul made his thankfulness for the people in his life a regular part of his ministry. Writing to the Christians in Corinth, he began his first letter to them by saying, I always thank God for you. And when a group of believers, whom Paul had never met, came out to greet him as he approached Rome, in the book of Acts we read that at the sight of them, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Friends, today I want to remind you to thank God for the people in your life. Number three, thank God in the midst of trials and troubles. Thank God in the midst of trials and troubles. Our key passage for this short series is 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18, which says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we're commanded to give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. You know, we're not thankful for the cancer, but we can be thankful in all circumstances. And that's only possible because of Jesus. Even though Jesus told us that we would experience troubles in this life, we tend to run in the opposite direction at the first sign of hardship. And the second part of Jesus' promise is that we can take heart because he's overcome the world. Again, we're not thankful for the trials and troubles, but we can be thankful in the midst of the storm. We can be thankful because God is still on the throne and because he promises to use the storms of life to make us more like Jesus. That's what we read in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. It says, We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. This is something that I've been so thankful for as a follower of Jesus, that in the midst of trials and troubles, I can still somehow give thanks. When the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament learned that evil men were plotting to kill him, God's word says that he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Again, I ask, are you a thankful person no matter what? I don't know what kind of trials and troubles you're facing right now, but God does, and he loves you and has promised to be with you through whatever you experience in this life. I want to challenge you today to practice giving thanks, even when circumstances are not ideal, even when it's hard to give thanks. Thank God in the midst 
of trials and troubles. Just like Daniel, he got down on his knees. He prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Number four, if you're taking notes, thank God for his gift of grace and mercy in Jesus. Of all the good gifts that God has given us, the greatest gift of all is his son who died on the cross and rose again so that we could be born again and be adopted into God's forever family. God's word tells us that because of sin, we were separated from God. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves us so much that he sent his one and only son into the world to die as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Paul's response to this amazing news, this good news, this gospel, should be the response of every believer. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, Paul wrote, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I've heard grace defined as getting something you don't deserve. Friends, we don't deserve God's love. We don't deserve his forgiveness, but he demonstrates it anyway because that's just who he is. I've heard mercy described or defined as not getting what you do deserve. We do deserve death. We do deserve eternal separation from God because we are sinners by nature and by choice. We fall short of God's standard. But God in his love sent his son to die the death that only we deserve. And because Jesus rose from the grave, defeating sin, Satan, and death, we now have the opportunity to be made right with God by grace through faith in Jesus. And this amazing gift is available to all who believe. If you're a follower of Jesus, how long has it been since you thanked God for your salvation? When was the last time that you thanked him for his gift of grace and mercy? On this Thanksgiving weekend, I want to encourage you to make this a priority. Make time to give thanks to God for who he is and for what he's done on your behalf. So there's so many reasons to give thanks. Four reasons that point us back to God. Thank God for always meeting your needs. Thank God for the people in your life. Thank God in the midst of trials and troubles. And thank God for his gift of mercy and grace.